You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Good morning. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the elder. If this is your first time here, you may not recognize outside my waiters. We the same thing. Same thing. On. I'm beginning to wonder with my problems with uh, uh, lapel mics if I've really truly been called to preach um, <laughs> in this day and age. So. Well, in spite of the technical difficulties and in spite of uh, activities that none of us wanted this morning, aren't you delighted to be here on a day when people are being baptized? When they proclaim to the whole world, I trust Jesus as my Savior. (laughs) Um, That was righteous anger, by the way. I'm just glad it didn't end up in the water. <laughs> we didn't need any of that being baptized. Uh, I'm always delighted to see men and women and boys and girls proclaim their profession of faith in Christ. Their baptism is an unequivocal statement that I recognize I am a sinner and only through Jesus' blood can my sins be cleansed. Uh, Jesus, God become man, is the only one who could die for anyone's sins because he's the only one who's ever lived, who lived every day, every second of his existence according to the law. He perfectly fulfilled the law, thus became an eligible sacrifice. Baptism, in fact, is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We go under and then we come up. We identify with Jesus, and he identifies with us at baptism. So here's a question. Can a person be saved without being baptized? Can a person be a Christian without being baptized? Well, that's kind of like saying, hey, can I play on the team, but I don't want to play in the uniform. I don't want to have a uniform on. Why would you do that? One thing scripture makes clear. Baptism without faith in Jesus' shed blood as payment for sins is meaningless. Even Martin Luther, who uh, believes much differently than most Protestants about the importance of the sacraments in connection with salvation, said without faith, it's just, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. At the same time, To believe in Jesus without being baptized is truly, in the scripture, as you'll see, if you look through, unthinkable. Uh, Today we're going to think about preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. That which we believe and then are baptized. It is, after all, belief in the gospel, once again, that is being pictured in baptism, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And the believer is called not to forget your profession of faith or your baptism. Now, some of you 
like uh, I think it was Kerrigan saying on the video, uh, look, I, I was saved at a very young age, and my parents thought it best for me to wait. Obviously, other parents don't think it's best to wait. I, I, I've been baptized. I, I found out the other day I was christened. We found my christening gown going through some stuff. That guys wore christening gowns back in the day, I suppose. So that makes five times that I've been under. Five times at all different ages up to, you know, up to about 20 years old. Um, that's not going to get me there. It's my faith in Jesus Christ, but delighted to be baptized and tell the world I belong to him. So when David says, remember your baptism, he's not saying it, you know, in, in the kind of day, in the kind of remembrance like, oh, hey, remember that day when I was baptized and I was so nervous, but man, it was just a special day. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about remembering the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that baptism signifies in your union with Christ. You are united with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection. In the same way that Jesus went down into the Jordan, a, a river polluted with the sins of the people that John the Baptist had been baptizing. He identified with us. And here we identify with him. And again, he identifies with us. In these baptismal waters. Do not make the mistake. Of leaving your baptism in the past. As part of a memory. A nice memory even so. What are the things. Let me ask you. What are the things. That are so important to you. That you give attention to them every day. I'm sure some of you have. Workout routines that may take place three, five, even more days per week. Humility keeps me from giving you my regimen. <laughs> that and the fact that I don't have one actually have a workout routine unless this counts, you know. Uh, those count, then I'm in. Uh, look, look, what is important to you that every day it's Bible reading, nutritional supplements, Time with your children, running, surfing, both kinds of surfing, intentionally spending time with the lost. What do, what, what do you think is so important that you make sure that you discipline yourself to do it? How about preaching the gospel to yourself every day? You ever thought about that? Well, I believe the gospel when I got saved... And I was baptized, but that's in the past. Right now, I'm focusing on walking with Christ in obedience. I like all of that, except that the gospel and baptism are in the past. I, I plan to preach today about the importance of cultivating a heart for the lost. Hopefully, we'll do that next week. Events of this past week have, have led me with the full endorsement of the of the elders to preach about the importance of you preaching the gospel to yourself every day. When you preach the gospel plus anything, you preach a false gospel. It's that simple. When you think that the gospel is only a matter of you beginning your Christian life 
You are open to the deception that Jesus saves you, yes, but then it's up to you to keep it all up. And if you don't do this, this, and this, then you won't be saved. The closer error is to truth, the more dangerous it is. A false gospel that is barely false is still a false gospel. And it's dangerous. And whenever the Apostle Paul encountered a false gospel, what happened? He got mad. Hopping mad, we would say. There were a few things that got his dander up, but that was one of them. Anytime you see him defending his apostleship, he was ultimately defending the gospel. Because if he didn't have the authority to preach the gospel, then the gospel was meaningless. Whatever he said was meaningless. The fact is, that is, in fact, I meant to say, where we find the Apostle Paul today in the book of Galatians. Defending the gospel and encouraging the Galatians to live in the gospel. Not to fondly remember it as something that they believed in the past. And now they have to go over to the law because the gospel has been superseded by the law. And you may say, no, no, no. It's the gospel plus Keeping the law, that means the law has superseded the gospel. Because the gospel stands alone. Good works are wrapped up in the gospel. We, we all recognize that, not recognize that as we shall see, as a result of what God has done for us. But, but gospel, which means good news, is a proclamation to be believed. If you've never thought about this before, the gospel is about done. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you. The law was about do. If you properly believe the gospel, you will do a whole lot. But you don't do things so that God will save you. I'm going to say that about 25 times in different ways today. So you can uh, be ready for that. And here's what I, I will say this. Good works will always follow the gospel. But gospel Plus good works equal salvation. Gospel plus good works equal salvation is a false gospel. Our text today is two verses in Galatians. Galatians 2.20 and Galatians 6.14. Uh, the first will be more familiar to you than the latter. And we have to read more than these two verses for context. Uh, Galatians, like so many of Paul's letters to the churches, is one long argument about the gospel. And most of the time the pattern is... Who are you in Christ and what does that mean for the way that you live your life? Uh, there's a lot more of who are you in Christ in Galatians because Paul was having to deal with this heresy of mixing uh, gospel and works together. Uh, so there's no place that you can just land in Galatians and there, there are not important things to know either right before, said right before or right after that text. So for our time today, we'll read Galatians. Galatians, that's my attempt to combine books of the Bible. I do that with other words, and now I'm, now I'm combining books of the Bible. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Galatians 2, 15 to 21, and then Galatians uh, 6, 14. Uh, it will be obvious as we begin our reading that we're picking up in the middle of an argument. As is our custom at grace, would you please stand as the scripture is being read. Paul speaking to the Galatians. 
We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For I, if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for it is righteous. If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Father, uh, I pray that you would open our hearts to your word, cause us to believe, help Help our, um, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, BC. All right, one more time. We're going to look at Galatians 2, 15 and 16. Then I'll make three points that uh, delineate the difference between the law and the gospel. In verse uh, 15, and obviously we're trying to get stuff on the screen. Hopefully we can these verses. Verse 15 says this, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, what does that have to do with us? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Remember, Paul is coming in in the middle of an argument. He was addressing the reality that the church was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. The Jewish people who were under the covenant relationship with God through the law, they never really were saved by keeping the law. They were saved by faith, just like Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. But that was their identity, was the law. So they were very religious people. Now, the Gentiles, who were not very religious people at all, had been brought into the same congregation. And that created a bit of a problem. In our day, we would talk about the religious and the non-religious. The religious are very black and white kind of people. This is right, that's wrong. Uh, where the irreligious are comfortable with a lot more gray in their lives. Let's just say that. So who is in a better position to stand before God justified? Jews, Gentiles, religious, not religious. Not people who are, who, who are, are held captive by uh, religion all of their lives. Who's more justified? Neither. Verse 16 tells us it is the one who has faith. And here's what it says. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. But through faith in Jesus Christ, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one 
will be justified. So it is not our commitment to morality that saves us, although if we are saved, we'll be committed to morality. Believers ought to be known for their morality. If the reason we pursue morality, however, is so that God will let us into heaven, we have missed the gospel as it is taught in Scripture. So three points I want us to think about this morning, beginning with this first one. Living according to the law leads to a life of comparisons. Living according to the law leads to a life of of comparisons because if I'm good, if being, <clears throat> if, if my getting to heaven is dependent upon my good works, I've got to have something to measure myself with. And nobody can keep the Bible exactly as it commands. We all mess up somewhere along the way. So better for me to compare myself with someone. Then I can know how I'm doing. When Paul said we, are, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, he was addressing a sense of birthright entitlement that many Jews assumed was theirs. Hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not a sinner like those Gentiles are. Look, I've always been a Christian, and so I am okay. Well, they wouldn't have said Christian. I have always been a part of the covenant family of God. I live according to God's law. By the way... In all of this, I started to say this a while ago and, and, and got distracted. When it comes to baptism, I, I used to have no category for someone who said, I've been a Christian all my life. I've believed all my life. I absolutely understand that now. Several of you as adults were saved over time while you were listening to the gospel here at Grace. You came in and, and, and if I were to say, when did you believe? I don't know. It was somewhere in there. I just started believing the gospel. I see that happen all the time. So if you can't remember the day that you profess, but you know in your heart you trust Christ and him alone for your salvation, I'm, I'm good with that. But these guys were saying, because I grew up in the church, because I grew up in the United States of America, you, you know I'm making the connection, that then I'm okay the default position is I'm okay with God, and as long as I don't mess it up, then everything will be all right. And we have never heard anything like that in our day. I mean, I don't think any of you have ever heard somebody say something like, look, I'm not a sinner like those radical Muslims. I'm an American who believes in God. I believe in Jesus, in fact. There's a guy up at Team Valley. I, gosh, I... Probably told you this recently, but I'm going to say it again. Where I was camp director for a long time, there was a guy who had on the back of his car two different stickers. One said, praise the Lord. The other one says, you touch on my car, I break in your face. And so, you know, I'm like, you can't have both of those on there. You're one or the other, but you just, you know, you, you got to choose. And that's what a lot of people sound like when they are condemning other religions. Comparisons. Look, we're big in the comparisons. Tell me you didn't watch every single day during the Olympics to see where America stood in the medal stand. Okay, some of you wanted to see where Australia was. Good start, not a good finish, I'm sorry to say, but good start for you. <clears throat> Look, uh, we, we, we compare everything. ACC basketball, grades in class, who has the best dog? Who has a more righteous cause? To, to, to who is the best and worst person in the neighborhood? You know who that is in your neighborhood? I bet you do. 
Ultimately, we may assume that there are a certain number of people who will get in. And like I used to tell my kids with grades, just stay ahead of the curve. Stay on the top of that wave, you know. And they'd say, well, I'm not doing it for grades. I'd say, you do it for grades, you'll learn. You go to learn, you ain't going to get the grades or you're not going to learn either. You worry about getting a good grade, you'll worry about learning. I can assure you. And that's what a lot of people think. Look, I just want a good grade. I want to be in the top part of the class when I get to heaven. Or maybe comparisons. God has scales and he'll put my good works over here and my bad works over here. And if the good works way more, then I'm in. How can I know if my good works are ascending? Well, by comparing my works with you. I mean, I, and I can tell you this. I, I will tell you this right now. Just be honest. I'm not going to live the way you do because I don't see how anybody can live like you and be a Christian. That's the way we function. Possibly I'm working as hard as I can for my good cause because I love God and I Love others more than you do. God is happy with me. He is not happy with you if you're not a part of my cause. That's law living. One day our works will be compared to one man's. Jesus. How are you going to do on that day? Remember, Galatians 2.16, it doesn't say that God will justify a few according to the works of the law. It says, none will be justified according to the works of the law. No one. It, it would appear it is remarkably easy for those of us in the church, and I mean this for all of us, it is remarkably easy for us to be seduced by a false gospel. Often with other religions, with with Christian denominations, with organization that seeks to do, seek to do good works, and even with cults. Listen to this. This is important. It is not the individual tenets of their beliefs with which we disagree. It's the conclusions that they reach. That's what my buddy Denton White told me the other day. And it's worth hearing again. It's not the individual tenets of this religion or this denomination or this cult even that I disagree with. It's the conclusions that they reach. That's why I always discern when somebody says, hey, this and this and this. You might say, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Go the whole way. What are the conclusions? What is the ultimate thing that you're saying? Any religion or cause that says you must believe in Jesus, but you also must do this, this, and this. And you have to do it in the way that we instruct you or you will not be saved. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? It's a false gospel. The pure gospel is simple, and it's in two basic parts. First, repent of your sins. That means simply to acknowledge that you are indeed the kind of sinner that God says you are, and that you are hopeless without Him saving you. You cannot save yourself. It's this, to acknowledge your sin and to cry out for God's mercy to you. And then second, part of the gospel is to believe. Repent and believe. Believe. That Jesus Christ went to the cross and because he was perfect, he was a perfect sacrifice and substitute. And when he died on the cross, the wrath of God 
the just and righteous wrath. Look, get over the idea about what's fair and not fair. Not fair. There's none of that in the scripture. God is just. He does always the right thing. And when he says to you, believe in my son, it's the only way you can be justified. Just believe it. Believe that God's wrath was being poured out on him and that he took your place. So it's that simple. Repent and believe and be baptized. It's all part of God's plan for us who will follow him. The gospel is simple, but it is not simplistic, which leads us to our second point. Living by the gospel provides freedom to obey God. I mean, after all, Paul was frustrated with his opponents when they accused him of saying, look, just get saved and you can live any way that you want to. Jesus took care of your sins. Just, just, hey, just believe. You're cool. You're good. I mean, you can see how easy it is for Satan to confuse people about the simplicity of the gospel. We all know that God's children should desire to please him. In fact, those who follow Jesus almost always have this deep desire to look and speak and talk like Jesus does. And then along comes a wireless mic that you just have to take care of, you know. So things happen, but, but ultimately... We want to be like Jesus. But when I think of the gospel as a starting point, and now everything is up to me, I'm right back to an attempt to earn God's favor on the basis of what I do. It's, it's kind of the spirit of, hey, hey, I'm so happy that you have believed in Jesus but you better do this and this if you want to be saved in the end. That's a far different spirit than, than someone saying, Brad, surely as a follower of Jesus, you don't want to do these things that used to own you before you were saved. Surely you want your heart of love to, to help those who are in need. That's, that's a huge difference in a spirit, it is a difference between obedience to God because he saved you or obedience to God so that you can save yourself or that so you will be on the right side of history at the end of the age when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats. You can't do anything about that except believe. Repent and believe. You'll recall from our text in Galatians 2.21. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So what he's saying is, if you are living your life the way you are so that God will allow you into heaven, it's in essence, it's saying like, Jesus is really great that you died, but in the end, it's up to me. I know there's some reason for you dying. I get that. And Paul says, no. No. I, Jesus died for our sins or he died for no reason at all. Please do not stand before the Lord hoping that you have been good enough to be allowed into heaven. Jesus died for you, and if you have believed, he has made a new person of you in him. 
One who wants very much to obey, but out of a heart of gratitude, not a heart of fear. So how does that work? This past Thursday, my wife Allison and I went to the Pope's home group over in Bowie's Creek. It's Australia Day, and if you didn't know, my wife Allison is from Australia. Just ask her sometime to sit down on the front row and read scripture to you, just to hear that beautiful accent. Um, and, and I know that you all knew that Thursday was Australia Day. But in case you didn't, you can be sure that we knew it in our house. Uh, it's, it's a lot like Independence Day on July 4th. And frankly, I have really warmed to it over the years. It's a lot of fun. Australia Day is just a lot of fun. And when we attended the Pope Home Group the other night, there was another notable Aussie in attendance, Miss Jenny Tate, who sort of... Uh, I was over, oversaw the food, I suppose, that night. And so after we had eaten a ton of Vegemite. <laughs> Just kidding, really. Well, that's more like a lie from the pit, what that is. Uh, after our Aussie dinner, we had Bible study based on uh, last week's sermon. And as always the case, there was just wonderful discussion from this superbly led group. Matt Paget shared something that he had heard Joe Hunziker say to the youth. Matt works with the youth and Joe. By the way, some of you who are new don't know Joe and Stefania and Aaron and Mattia and Joya. Hunziker from Italy. Uh, we are delighted to have them. We are, by the way, Stefania's mom's coming in, and on March the 3rd, is that it? She is going to cook an Italian meal from here, and she's the real deal. She used to cook at a very exclusive private school in Rome, and uh, so that will be quite a night. And I've always said, one of the great things about knowing believers from other parts of the world is that they say the same things we already believe, but they say them in such ways that it just opens up for us. So Joe had said this incredibly wonderful thing I never heard so good said about this particular topic. And then he told me he got it from Tim Keller. So anyway, it's, you know, it's good. Uh, the gist of the teaching goes like this. A lot of people think that the gospel plus obedience equals the new man. But that's a law of works mentality. You remember from the message last week how we talked about the battle that rages inside of every believer between the spirit and the flesh or the old man and the new man. So some say if you believe and if you obey, then you'll get the new man to live inside of you. New man or, or, or new woman living inside of you. But that's not the biblical order. Here's the proper sequence. Belief in the gospel plus the new man that you have been given as a result of your salvation equals obedience. That's a gospel mentality. We don't receive the new man because we obey, but rather we obey because Jesus lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So that's the point that Paul is making in a verse that is quite familiar to many of you. Galatians 2. 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. So, so here's the point. It's not that I do as I should because I want God to like me or to accept me. But rather, I die to myself recognizing that the eternal God of the universe lives inside of me. And I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we are also, in the New Testament, sometimes when you read temple of the Holy Spirit in the Greek, the, 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 the you, the pronoun is sing, it's singular, it's you, each. Sometimes it's plural, it's y'all. And the, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're all, this body is part of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And is that vessel, we die to ourselves and live unto God. There's a whole lot of dying and a whole lot of living in this verse. And we don't get the living without the dying, which is where we've been heading all along. And it's the subject of our last point, which is preach the gospel to yourself every day. It will show. Look, we are a people totally consumed with looking good. And here's how it works. Man, I, hey, look, <clears throat> I just have to tell you, again, in all humility, that I got more Facebook likes on that picture than anything I've ever done before. Or, or it may look like this. I've been convicted about the pettiness of Facebook, and I've decided to take a hiatus. So you will not see me on Facebook for the next three hours. <laughs> uh, or... I gave 20 hours this month to the food pantry. Or I told six Jesus about, or six people about six Jesus. <laughs> now that there's a false gospel. <laughs> I told six people about Jesus last month. Look, you get the point. Don't think, I'm not mocking you, I'm mocking me really is what I'm doing. We, we find all kinds of ways to elevate ourselves because no matter how long we've been saved, we're tempted to be in that comparison game all the time. And there's only one cure, and it's to die. Die to yourself. Galatians 6.14, which is Paul's summary statement in this pointed letter about living in the gospel rather than living by the law, says this. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That is so counterintuitive. It's not counterintuitive for us because we've... We've grown up here and we've heard this kind of language and we're okay with it. We're not, we're, we're not repulsed by this. But if you're living in the first century, it's the same as somebody saying, but God forbid that I should glory except in the electric chair or the gas chamber or the gurney and the needle where they're executing me and putting me to death because I'm a horrible, reprehensible criminal. When I preach the gospel to myself, when I say, you know, Jesus died for me. And according to Romans 6, and baptism is all intertwined here. I'm united to him in his death and in his resurrection. 
When I preach the gospel to myself, I begin to fade. And Jesus begins to shine. I begin to understand that all of my righteousness, anything good in me, is wrapped up in Him. Now, I can deceive myself and say, well, I'm not comparing myself with you. I'm comparing Jesus who lives in me. And again, we just go down those roads so easily. The only way that Jesus shines through me is when I boast in the cross of Jesus. Then, then I won't seek to do good or to discipline myself to obey or to witness to others or to vote myself to a good cause because I must do it if I'm to be accepted by the Lord. I will, no, because Jesus died for me, I will live with godly passions and disciplines and I will seek to do good things. It's the same result, but there's a different cause. It's because Jesus is the one who is made large in my life. I'll, I'll, I'll share Jesus with others because I can do no other. And I'll be kind as much as possible in love, love no matter whether you're kind or not. And sometimes there is a call for, for, for sternness, but most of the time we just share the gospel in love with other people. Will it please the Lord when I live in the gospel, will I please the Lord when I live in the gospel? Yes, I will, but it's because Jesus lives in me. I say this often. Is God pleased with you? If you had to answer that question right now, is God pleased with you? You're probably thinking all the things you did this week. Look, if you believe the gospel, God, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus and he's pleased. He's pleased because Jesus lives in you. None of us is saved because of his or her righteousness, nor is any of us condemned because of a specific sin. We're condemned because Adam's sin is a part of our nature, and when we put our hope in ourselves rather than Jesus, then we come face to face with the truth that's all over the New Testament. By the works of the law shall no one be justified. We cannot make ourselves acceptable to God only when we're wrapped up in Christ, when we hide behind the cross, are we good. And that's what these guys were professing today when they went under the gospel, when they went under the water. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Then people will see you uh, not as one trying to go do good, but rather they will see Jesus. If you preach the gospel to yourself every day, my righteousness, any good in me, is wrapped up in him, not in myself. And when people see Jesus, they may be attracted or they may be repulsed. Because that's the way it is. I just keep thinking, I've been thinking a lot this week, just... You know, somewhere in North Korea, somebody's being dragged out of a home probably right now to be executed because they believe this. Somebody is kneeling before an ISIS member and 
his or her, he, will be, he or she will be decapitated. Really, people are speaking up against us here or there. That's that big of a deal? No. Look, we want Jesus Christ to be exalted. We want it to happen in as nice and easy way as possible. But if it comes to anything beyond that, in any of our lives, if our friends, the political climate is so volatile right now, who knows what, which way it's going to go? Who knows where it's going to turn? The only thing I know is that everybody who believes in one system or another politically is exactly right. There's no room for anything, any disagreement whatsoever with anybody else, but we're all right. Sooner or later, we have to prove how right we are in foolish ways. The church has to be different. We have to let Jesus Christ shine through us. And when the world says, you're wrong, you're not worthy of this or that, we have to say, Jesus, be exalted and glorified in my life. That's the point of this verse. That's the point of preaching the gospel to yourself every day. It's Jesus. Let's pray. As we pray, um, I will tell you that we take a benevolence offering on the last Sunday of the month. Uh, an offering to help those who are in need, both those who are in our body and those outside of our body. Uh, in Obedience to the command to love our neighbors, to love our brothers and sisters, to love those by tangible actions. And so this is one of the ways that we do that. So I'll pray for that as well as our time in the word this morning. Father, um, thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much. Jesus, that you left heaven to come and live perfectly according to the law, but then dying in our place. And as Jesus went to the cross, the, the physical anguish had to be the last thing on his mind as he was considering taking the sin of the world upon himself. Thank you for the, the truth that in repentance and in belief, we find life in Christ. We love you. We recognize that we are un unworthy to be called saints and to serve you in any way. But we thank you so much for loving us and calling us into your kingdom and into your service. In Jesus' name, amen. I receive the benediction. This is from number six. The Lord bless you. And keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord uh, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. 
but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.